When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. are back in Berea. Baker Mayfield throws underneath to Kareem Hunt to complete pass. Training camp open to the fans for the first time in a long, long time. Hello, everybody. Hope your Friday's off to a good start. Hope you have a great weekend. Welcome to Sports for CLE. I'm Dave Bacon. Let's welcome in Jeff Risden from Brownswire.com. Jeff, um, fans, training camp, it's starting to look a little more normal. Boy, that was a welcome sight, wasn't it? Just seeing seeing the fans back out there, hearing the energy. Uh, I know the players can feel it. it, it it's great to actually have football back and the fans get involved. Uh, it, it was sorely missed last year, and I'm very happy to see that, that it's back. So uh, the other thing that's going on is uh, some guys are showing up. Donovan's people, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been playing well. Um, there are a number of young guys uh, out on the field kind of making things go. Let's take a listen to the sights and sounds from Berea in training camp. All right, some storylines uh, that we're going to run you through. Grant Delpit taking part in team drills for the first time today. That is great news. Alexander Hollins, that's a young guy that was signed off the Vikings practice squad, continues to be uh, a young guy that has kind of performed well. Going to be a challenge for him to do anything but get on the practice squad the way the wide receiver room is shaping up. Yesterday, um, Cody Parkey, one of five in field goals. Chase McLaughlin, five of five. Andrew Berry said, just a bad day for Parkey. He's made some big kicks. They're not going to hold yesterday against him. And Rodney Harrison left the field today. Um, they're looking at his leg in the field house. So that's obviously um, not great news. But again, we do not know the extent. Uh, the trainers being extra cautious. The first couple of um, days, not in pads as the guys get back to football. Yeah, you hate to see anybody leave the field uh, with, with trainers at all. Uh, it's unfortunate. Hopefully, Harrison will end up being okay because they need him. Um, he, he's a very important part of what they're doing on defense. The good news is that Grant Delpit is back and and back from the recovery from his training camp injury from a year ago. Uh, I will never forget that Monday uh, with all the injuries that came down from the secondary. Hopefully, they can avoid that this year and, and get Delpit back. Look, his potential. He was a he was a considered a first round pick. 
uh, heading into that draft class. And some things happened in the last year of senior season that, you know, just didn't, didn't materialize quite right. But it was still very exciting to see him get in Cleveland. Uh, very similar to the buzz, actually, that the JOK has this year. You know, a guy who's a real value at a position of need, uh, and they didn't have him at all last year. And you you can see you can see how he fits into the defense and and, and what uh, what Coach Woods is going to go with him. And, and you know, the impact potential is really there. It's great to see him back out there and finally getting at it with the rest of the team. And, and I know the team was very happy to see him out there with them. Talking with Jeff Risden from Brownswire.com. So Andrew Barry uh, did his pre-training camp uh, talk with the media, and one of the things that he made sure to say is um, just how well, and everybody should agree, how well the Browns have handled the situation with the pandemic. I actually want to start by saying how proud I am of our organization for really navigating, you know, everything through the pandemic. We all realize that, you know, it's not, over and but we do see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel and a lot of people have contributed to, to making this a good environment for our players our coaches our staff fans to come back to our facilities um, so we're excited about that um, you know i think a lot of people have been involved in making sure that the right information is out there regarding the vaccines um, you know 100 percent of our coaches and support staff are vaccinated and over 90 percent of our players are fully vaccinated um, or you know finishing up the last stages of the process so we're excited to be out here, um, get going over the next couple of weeks uh, as we prepare for the season. And Jeff, the thing that we took away from that, all the coaches, 90% of the players vaccinated. And think about what the Browns did with a first-year head coach, first-year staff, making the playoffs and doing it all virtually. So they should kind of, Andrew Berry should pat those guys on the back a little bit. Yeah, he really should. They've done a very good job as an organization. I know they did have their COVID woes. We all saw the playoff game. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't come back to bite them. But, uh, you know, I, I think they, they've learned and adapted on the fly very well. Look, the, the pandemic situation is changing all the time. It's hard to keep track of, of what's coming and going on. The fact that they're not going to have any problems with coaching access. Uh, with some of the Minnesota Vikings, Stefanski's old team, they actually had to reassign one of their coaches uh, because he didn't have a vaccination uh, and, and he couldn't have – immediate access to the players you know he had to coach from afar um they've since shuffled him back in but browns don't have to worry about that they're, they're in good shape with that and the players getting over 90 percent hopefully uh that that holds and you know that the, they're not going to have any issues like we did last year where we're you know signing blake hance and uh, he hasn't even met the make Mayfield before he's blocking for him uh I, I think they have a much better grasp of how to handle it now and the training staff the the the, the, the medical staffers the equipment guys, they're all on board with this and making sure that it happens right too. And they, they do deserve a good, they do deserve the praise. They've done a very good job and, and it's a very difficult and unprecedented situation. And the fact that the Browns are doing as well as they are with it speaks to the organizational strength and the the the, uh, the real organization of Barry and his crew because uh, th th they're tight on this. Yeah, I, I would agree. So um, one of the guys everybody's keeping an eye on is Denzel Ward. That's a guy that, you know, the, the, the fifth-year option was picked up. You're going to look to do an extension. If you have any knock at all on Denzel Ward, it's that he hasn't been available for 16 games. You know, he's missed multiple games, multiple years. Ward is doing his part um, to try and make sure that he gives himself every opportunity um, to, to be on the field for all games this year by bulking up. I mean, every year I take the, I take the necessary steps to uh, stay out there on the field. I mean, that's just how the game goes sometimes and stuff happens. But uh, when I'm out there, I feel I do what I can to help my team win. I am. I gain some weight. I'm 190 right now. So definitely spent a lot of work during the offseason just uh, getting my weight up, size up, and uh, still maintaining my speed. So definitely gain some weight over the offseason. Where were you playing at last season? Uh, last season, I was probably like 183 to 185. Well, he did a great job. Uh, he, he really is in a good spot physically, and, and I think that's a credit to Denzel, obviously, first and foremost, but it's a credit to the strength staff, to Katie, our nutritionist. Uh, they had a plan, and, and he's really stuck to it. So over the course of 17 games, uh, there's, you always have to think about how you are physically. So I know that, that weight is a number, um, but it's really about it's lean muscle mass. It's how he's eating, all those type of things. He takes it very seriously. So I was proud of how he uh, came in this season. And again, Jeff, the only knock you can have, when Denzel Ward's on the field, he's terrific. You need him on the field as much as you can have him on the field. 
Yeah, and, and adding even just the five pounds on that, if you look at him, he's not a big framed guy. So any any lean muscle that he can add to his frame is only going to help him stay on the field. Uh, I, I love the fact that, that Stefanski has, has cited the nutrition staff there. That's something that the Browns are, are at the forefront of and having team nutritionists and, and, you know, preparing these guys and understanding that each individual body is different and they sort of tailor things uh, to the way that Denzel needs it. He's a different athlete than, than Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett needs different sorts of, you know, substances to go into his body to keep it in tune. Uh, and I think that, that that recognition is something that the Browns are going to do real well. We we can only hope that it works for Denzel, that he can play all 17 games this year. I, I keep catching myself on that. There's 17 games on the schedule. That's, that's extra. Uh, adding those extra pounds can only help him because, uh, you know, like you said, he's fantastic when he's on the field. He's one of the top 10 cornerbacks in the league. Uh, and and the, the the ratings gurus at Madden agree. Uh, but the durability is, is the, the low rating there. He's got to bump that up if he wants to, to move up in the, the Madden rankings and that. Um, doesn't always translate well, real well to real life, but uh, in his case, it does. Jeff Risden from Brownswire.com and I going to step aside, take a quick time out on the other side of the break. Uh, Miles Garrett doing some Miles Garrett type things. We'll also hear about Donovan Peoples-Jones, a guy that's really played well during the initial part of training camp. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-Seek can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to trisc-edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. for CLE continues. We continue talking Browns training camp with uh, Jeff Risden from brownswire.com. Well, we all know what kind of athlete Miles Garrett is. Big, strong, fast. Take a look at the agility of Miles Garrett. Got a 64-inch box jump at the end of a lower body session. All right, we did a lot of, a lot of strength work today. I don't think that he's necessarily going to hit it, but he wants to give me lunch, so here we are. How many inches is that? Lunch on me. <laughs> Miles Garrett with his trainer. So that's five, uh, five feet, four inches that he just jumped after doing what looked to be a pretty crazy leg workout. And keep in mind the size of Miles Garrett. <laughs> that's unbelievable. He's two, 275 pounds, I think, is what he says he's at. That's I, I can't even jump a quarter of that. Uh, even when I, I used to play beach volleyball at a fairly high level and I couldn't, I couldn't even touch that with my you know my knee getting up there that's that's just insane uh, it, it's so much fun to watch him when he posts his workout videos I love seeing him I love I've wa loved watching him dunk on on innocent bystanders in a pickup basketball game um, he's done box jumps uh, I, I think it was a 36 inch box box jump with 50 pound dumbbells in each arm before so there's just 
Now, Miles is built different than everybody else. And uh, fortunately, he's on our side and he's going after the opposing quarterback. Man, that, that, that that's a bad man when he can do things like that. My goodness. Can you imagine if you're an opposing quarterback and looking at that saying, well, that's who I'm playing Sunday. <laughs> good, good luck with yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> In, in reality, though, there is a practical application to that. If if somebody tries to cut block him, he's jumping way the heck over them. I yeah. mean, you got you got to get you got to get that perfect. Otherwise, he's he's, he's going to go after your quarterback, and you're going to be laying on the ground wondering what happened um, as, as he tails off him. So, you know, there are actual football applications to all that, aside from the fact that he's just an incredible physical specimen. Yeah, without question. So, um, the NFL films top 100 players uh, for the season. Uh, premieres August 15th. Now, the question is, will Baker Mayfield be part of the top 100? Uh, one of his teammates, who we just saw, thinks so. Take a listen. A lot of people call him a gunslinger. Gunslinger cowboy mentality. Love it, love it, love it. He knows he's got it in him. I said I woke up feeling dangerous, son. He's out there to show it every time he steps on the field. Boy goes out there our first year together. Those three picks in the first half against the Texans. He doesn't get down. He, he doesn't care about anything that happened before. Like he's here to just win. And he has a, like a never say die attitude. I like that attitude. And it comes off as chippy. But guys got to find a way to, to get themselves in that state of mind where they feel like they can be the best in the world. And if that's how he gets there, I'm all for it. I'm going to back him up whenever, wherever. Again, talking about the NFL uh, Films Top 100 that will be on NFL Network premiering August 15th. Certainly sounds like Baker Mayfield is going to be part of that. Yeah, they, they wouldn't be asking that in-depth <laughs> of a question to Miles unless he was going to be on it. I don't expect him to be that high in it. He'll probably be in the first couple of episodes. I think they do it by 20, so you know, like 100 to, yeah. to 81 and then, and then off that. I'd probably expect him to be on that first night just because there's a lot of really good football players um, he didn't have that reputation going into last year. He was sort of, you know, the star-crossed with the the, the, the Freddie year um, was sort of an off year. He, he proved himself last year. I think the era was definitely pointing up. I think you'll see him in that first night this year. And I think uh, if he plays the way he did last year, you're going to see him up uh, a couple of nights uh, when they do the 2022 version because uh, the, there, there's just so much to like about Baker with all the continuity that's come back with the, the chemistry that he has with his receivers. The coaching staff buying in to uh, Miles said it. You know, Baker isn't going to be for everybody. His personality is is it's, it's not going to work with some guys. But boy, they've done a really good job at, at surrounding people who get Baker for being Baker, and they like it that way. Uh, Miles speaks for the rest of the team too. They're they're, they're all in on Baker, and as they should be. Um, it, we'll, we'll see if he factors that into his contract negotiations or not. But uh, that, that's for another time. Yeah, and, and um, you know, one of the guys that. Um, that Baker Mayfield is throwing to, and um, young guy, uh, late-round pick, sixth-round pick last year, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and he has certainly impressed uh, the Browns with the way he has performed, at least early in training camp. Most rookies, uh, there's a learning curve, uh, and, you know, Jed obviously was in there play number one and started the whole season, but I'd say that's pretty rare across the league. Once you get out of that first-round top 15 guys, you you typically have guys that you're working into the lineup and, and their roles grow throughout the season. I think Donovan's a great example of that. And, uh, again, a really smart player, a conscientious kid that we could put in there and trust him to do the job. And, and he's, we, he's certainly earned our trust uh, over the course of time. And, Jeff, he's ascending. He's a guy that, um, you know, he came in and, and, you know, early in camp he made it pretty, pretty clear he's gotten better. He's gotten bigger, faster, stronger, and better. Yeah, and, and the, the big thing for him is doing it on a consistent basis. I got to watch him at Michigan quite a bit, and there were games and, and sessions where you're like, wow, that guy's playing in the NFL and he's going to be starting there. And then there were other times where you wondered, you know, oh, I, I don't know, man. I, it just didn't always click for him. Uh, but but the catch you just showed there and, and some of the other things. The other thing that I like is that he's working at more than just being an outside receiver this year. He's taken some reps from the slot in the early parts of practice. He's playing the Jarvis Landry role. Um, that that's important for him because if he's just an outside receiver, he's competing against guys like Anthony Schwartz and, and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and and he, he's not that caliber of an athlete. He's close, but he's not quite there. But if he can do more, if he can line up all over the, the, the formation and, and play those different, the X, Y, and Z receiver roles, that makes him invaluable and indispensable to the offense. And uh, that's, you know, 
I, I love the guy. He is one of my favorite all-time NFL scouting combine interviews. He is one of the smartest dudes I've ever talked to. He's a very bright guy. His father is a surgeon. He can become one when he's done. You know, just there's a lot going on with him. And I'm glad to see him focus and, and doing well because he's a guy that's very, very easy to root for. Yeah, and, you know, he's a big target. Gives Mayfield that big target that um, some of the other receivers do not have that physical presence. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you've seen and heard from the guys that were injured and, and just kind of the impressions of the guys coming back from injury. I'm, I'm just happy that Odell's back out there and, and, you know, running around looking good. We talked about Delpit a little bit, how, how he fits in. And just, you know, the, the emotional lift that that gives the rest of the team, knowing that those guys are back um, and, and how well they did last year without them. And now they're adding these guys in um, and, and presuming they're healthy. And, you know, we just saw Denzel working on staying more durable so he can stay on the field longer. It's just a very positive, you know, buzzy feeling. I, we have to hope that nobody – we don't have the, the Black Monday like we did last year where the, the three guys all got hurt at the same time. But, you know, getting Greedy Williams back out there, that's only going to help. Um, we're not sure what his role is going to be yet, if he's going to start, if he's going to be, you know, the third corner. Um, that, that's what camp and preseason are going to be about. But the fact that he's out there competing and, and able to do it after uh, a, a fairly significant shoulder injury that he suffered last year, you know, with the numbness going down the arm and everything, the fact that he's back about that, uh, that, that speaks very well to him and his desire to get back. And, and again, just the emotional lift. The fans feel it when you're in the stands there, too. You, you can tell, oh, oh man, you know, that play, Greedy would have made that play. Or I can see Grant Delpit making that play, but, you know, the, this undrafted rookie, he can't do that. Um, that sort of thing does permeate when you're out in the stands there in Berea. And I, I think just the positive buzz of getting those guys back is such a huge emotional lift for the team. It's only going to make them better. It's only going to make them deeper because now the guys who did have to play last year when those guys were out, they're ready to roll. You know, we saw Donovan Peoples-Jones get some reps last year. He's clearly built off that. You know, his minutes went up when uh, when when OBJ went down. So that that sort of thing, you know, putting those two hands together, it's just a really exciting time. We we have to hope that there's no more injuries though, because uh, they, when you when you get that high, you're going to get an injury. Hopefully Harrison's isn't like that. You know, hopefully uh, the rookie Tony Fields is going to be okay. We'll see on on, on what's on with with his foot, but. Uh, it's just very exciting to, to get those guys back. You can feel the juice. I, I, I can't wait to get out there and see him personally. It's going to be great. So Greedy Williams um, left the field in um, the first day of practice, and he people did. were worried. Um, let's take a look at the tweet because uh, this one's pretty good. So um, Candid Jimmy Haslam <laughs> says, Greedy's from Louisiana. How is it possible that the heat bothered him? To be honest, I said the same thing to our producer uh, when I found out. And Greedy tweets back, trainers just said I look suspicious, so they pulled me off the field. Feel great, excited to be back out there. I love that we do that because I absolutely love the response from Greedy Williams and shows you the kind of guy that he is. And it was great news that he is completely healthy. It is. Hydrate, Greedy. Take that water, take some electrolytes and stay out there. Maybe a salt tablet or something like that. I think we're probably beyond that that sort of technology now from, from back when you and I played. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. They, yeah. It, it, just minor cramps. They do happen. Um, it, it was hot out there. Uh, hot and humid. Yep. 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 You got you to gotta learn those things. You know, Louisiana, with it, I, I spent two weeks this month in Georgia where it was, uh, you wake up in the morning and, and your windows are fogged up from, from the air conditioning. Uh, so it does take some acclimation to get used to that. And, you know, if he's been up here, hasn't really been like that in Cleveland lately. So uh, I'm here and there, but, you know, he, he'll be fine. He'll learn from it. And I'm, I'm glad that he has a lighthearted attitude about it. Because honestly, that, that that's one of the things that he's grown into. He wouldn't have been that guy a couple of years ago. But now now he's comfortable enough with himself uh, and secure enough for the organization and his place in it that he can, he can do goofy things like that and, and Again, like you said, it endears him to the fans. It endears him to his teammates, uh, and that, that's all good. Yeah, and it's good that the trainer's kind of trying to watch out for folks uh, during this time. All right, we're going to step aside, take a quick timeout. On the other side of the break, we'll hear from John Johnson. Will it take time for this defense to gel? One of the guys that's new will try to answer that. Also, Andrew Barry on roster building and how he goes about it. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to Sports for CLE. We continue talking Browns. One of the big questions for the Browns this year, how quickly will this defense gel with all the new players? One of those new players, John Johnson, took a shot at the question, and here's his answer. I don't think it'll take long. I do think it requires, you know, more effort. You know, we got to build that chemistry, whether it's uh, on the field, off the field, you know, locker room, just around the facility, you know, get to know guys. The teams that, you know, do the best in the end are the teams that are the most connected teams. So I can just remember that Super Bowl year with the Rams. We were like, we were bonding. Everything was, everything we were clicking, even offense, defense, special teams. Everyone did everything together. So I think if we can get that here, uh, we can have a lot of success. What do you think is the key to, to do? Is it communication? Is it just having a feel for other guys and trust, or is it more than that? I think it's just being open, you know, to other people, you know, being welcoming, being warm, you know, being uh, caring, actually wanting guys to succeed, you know, not hating on anybody, but no egos, you know, just wants the best for other people. And I think we have the potential to have that here, so we just got to do it. And again, Jeff Risden from Brownswire.com. That's a guy that played on the number one ranked defense, was a big reason they were the number one ranked defense. So I guess what I'm saying, he knows what it takes to be a good defense. He does, and I like the way that he phrased that. You know, talking about he, he was basically saying all for one, one for all, um, in, in, in not so many words. But the fact that you know he understands, you know, he played with Aaron Donald, who's you know like Miles Garrett, one of the, the well, he is the the best defensive player in the league. Miles is striving to get there, and he's pretty darn close. But uh, to be able to to have a star-studded team, you know, you go back to that that Rams team that made the Super Bowl. They had Todd Gurley on there. You know, they, they had they had a lot of big personalities on there, but they fit it all together. And and I think his ability to see that and and, and foster that and bring that with him to Cleveland, uh, along with Troy Hill, who happened to come with him, uh, and and uh, that, that, that's you know the chemistry. It will take some time. There's going to be some issues for it, but I think that's one of the reasons why you're going to see the, a lot of the first team defense out there in reps. Um, preseason is going to be interesting to see how much they play the starters together, especially on that defensive unit where you've got new people coming in at, at a lot of key positions. I think we're going to see them maybe play a little bit more than, than we expect to or they have, that they have in the past because they want to build that chemistry. Uh, Johnson certainly knows it. Hill certainly knows it. And, uh, you know, there's some other, you know, Clowney has been on, on, on some very high-end teams as well. Uh, so he understands, you know, having, having stars and, and but also understanding the dynamic that if you are a star, you have to treat everybody – like they're the star too. You can't put yourself above them, and I think that's something that uh, he's going to rub off on people very well. I think Clowney will do the same. And I, I mean, I'm not too worried about the chemistry. I, I do worry about the on-field communication a little bit on the defense, just because there's a lot of moving pieces and parts, uh, and some of these guys are learning new schemes. Um, they're going to have some. They're going to have some bad moments. But uh, if they got each other's back and they understand, you know that you know, let's pick them up instead of kick them while they're down. I think that that's a very positive thing. Yeah, and, and they have guys that have been around and um, young veterans, and that's usually a good thing as well. So Andrew Barry talked about building a roster. So uh, there's some thought that, boy, if you have a quarterback on his rookie deal, you, you, you have to win now. Andrew Barry said roster building, kind of an art form. Here's what he said about building the roster and kind of looking where you're going as well. Part of my job is to have a little bit of foot in the present and a little bit of a foot because, um, you know, there is certainly this year's team, but also making sure that, you know, we're, we're both managing the roster and managing um, our resources, whether that's particular dollars, you know, in a manner that allows us to have sustained success. I'd say over the past 18 months, it's definitely played a factor into our planning. You know, the reality of it is the, you know, the cap uh, went down almost you know, eight million the past year and, um, you know, even moved Board, it's, it's, it's probably going to be $30 million less than um, everybody projected out. So that does create some, some um, you know, changes in terms of how you think about longer-term roster planning, but, you know, none of those challenges are insurmountable. And again, Jeff, that's particularly important because of the extensions that are due and the salary cap space. Browns have a lot of salary cap space likely to get eaten up by the extensions they're going to do. Yeah, they're not going to have that for long, especially with the extensions. Who knows when they're going to happen, but they will happen. Um, the big thing is that, that he has an understanding that you don't want to be like the Dallas Cowboys, who went all in, um, added a lot of big big contracts at a time where you know they didn't have a lot of salary cap room. They basically mortgaged their future uh, to, to win, and they didn't win. Um, and then last year they fell behind and couldn't even win a division where the uh, division winner didn't have a winning record. 
I, I think you want to avoid that. I think you want to avoid the situation that the New Orleans Saints are in, where you know, one of your star player goes down, your quarterback retires. I don't know what to think of the Saints this year because they they, they don't have the, the the monetary ability to add anyone to replace Drew Brees or, or Michael Thomas. So uh, they're kind of hamstrung by that. I, I think Barry is very responsible in how he's handling it. Um, he he understands that he will have to pay Baker and Chubb and Denzel and 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 you know there's there's other people that are going to have their hands out as well uh, and prioritizing those, understanding the budget the budgetary constraints that are out there with you know the, the pandemic impacting the salary cap and all that. I feel really good about the way that Andrew Barry is, is talking about it and, and thus far the way that he's handled it too. They haven't really handed out any weird flippant contracts. They've done a really good job of, of budgeting for what they've got and, and putting the appropriate value on the positions of the players. And that's, uh, um, I can tell you from, from, from covering other teams around the league, that doesn't happen everywhere. And it's very refreshing to see it happening in, happening in Cleveland with a very good roster. It would be very easy to say, oh, we're, we're maybe this one player away. Let's go out and get him and, and, you know, you know, torpedo the future a little bit. This team isn't going to do that. They're, they're, they're building to win every year, not just one year. Yeah, I, I agree. And let's talk a little bit about roster decisions. What are some of the toughest roster decisions um, that you think will be facing Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, when we talk about this 53-man roster? You know, they're, they're going to have to look at, at uh, how many wide receivers do they keep, how many running backs, how many tight ends do they keep. Uh, and the special teams is going to play a lot into that. You know, Demetric Felton, he can play wide receiver. He's technically a running back, but I think his biggest role is as a return man. Where, If, if he takes that, is, does that wipe Dearness Johnson off the roster? You know, how does Donovan Peoples-Jones fit into that? You know, I, I actually did a projection not long ago where I had him not making it. Um, and then some of that was based on, on these special teams. I think with what he's shown in camp and, and the way that he's shown up, I, I, I think that's going to be wrong. I think he's, I think he's pretty clearly going to make it now, uh, and that's good. But what position, what spot does he take away? You know, he's one of 53. you got to cut somewhere else. Is it a fifth defensive tackle that doesn't make it? Is, a, is it a linebacker like, like Mac Wilson or Sione Takitaki that doesn't make it? You know, does he push Sheldrick Redwine at safety off? You know, prioritizing where your depth is, you know, keeping six wide receivers versus five wide receivers keeping four tight ends versus three tight ends. Then you got Andy Janovich as a fullback in there. Can any of those backup tight ends also play fullback if Janovich is out for a week or two? You know, those, those, those are the type of things that they're going to try to learn in the next few weeks and that they're talking about when they're in their meetings and their team meetings, when they're evaluating the players. You know, special teams obviously is going to play a huge role, especially on the back end of the roster. Remember, Tavier Thomas and Tate Davis were on this team exclusively for special teams. They're both gone now. So those roles have to get filled. Is it, will they take somebody who can only play on special teams, or are they going to have to prove themselves in another position as well? That, those are the things that I'm going to be watching for throughout the rest of camp, and especially in the preseason games. Uh, the guys who are getting the reps on the punt team in the fourth quarter, those are the guys that are fighting for things. Yeah, without question. Uh, Jeff Riston from Brownswire.com and I going to step aside, take a quick timeout. Uh, we'll hear more about Demetric Felton when Sports for CLA continues. Stay with us. continue talking Browns and one of the guys we talked about just before the break Demetric Felton uh, so the Browns took him in the sixth round and uh, they've been nothing but impressed by what Demetric Felton has shown so far with the Browns uh, it remains to be seen uh, I think the kids a football player uh, to be able to do that day in and day out says a lot about his uh, ability to learn and ability to think quickly and break the huddle and you know you're the when it's you're the halfback, sometimes it's pretty easy. When you break the huddle, you know where to line up. When you're playing receiver, you're bouncing all along the formation. So he, he's done a great job for us, and, and we'll continue to 
to see what fits with him. Um, but until then, he's just putting good football on tape. I think one of the things that was attractive to us with um, you know Demetric when we drafted him is just his versatility. We do view his you know primary position at running back, but it, his ability to actually have legitimate position flex and create mismatches um, is something that that we value. And um, he's he's proven really since he's got drafted just honestly how smart he is because that's a really hard thing to do for any player, let alone a first year player learning a new system. So it's a it's a credit to him. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing how he progresses throughout. And so uh, Coach Stefanski was saying it remains to be seen whether they view him as a wide receiver or a running back, but um, you heard the mismatch that he can create, and that's things that's the current NFL. <laughs> Absolutely. If you can dictate max matchups, especially against sub packages, you know, if, if that defense is out there and they see him in, in the backfield, um, and, and they got three linebackers and he flexes out into the slot. All of a sudden, one of those linebackers has to cover him in the slot. Good luck with that. Uh, I am not in any way comparing his skills to Eric Metcalf um, in terms of level of play, but he presents that sort of matchup nightmare where, you know, it, they, they I, I thought the Browns back in the day did a great job. You know, if they saw that he had a mismatch on the outside, they would put him outside. He was good enough to play as a starting slot receiver in the league. You know, and play outside wide receiver, you know, use them on gadget plays. That's the role that I envision now for Felton, much more than I did coming out. And I, I think uh, his ability to pick all that stuff up, as both Stefanski and Barry said, you know, it speaks to his football IQ, and it, it allows him to get on the field and be more than just a return guy. And by the way, he can be an electrifying return guy. Uh, that, that, that's a hole that's on this roster. And, and uh, if they drafted him to fill just that, and he can do even more than that, all the better. Yeah, without question. So, um, on Good Morning Football, um, NFL Network, uh, they were asked, the player you're most excited to see get a completely clean slate in 2021? Here's Kyle Brandt's answer. Jadavian Clowney. Why does it make me exhausted to talk about Jadavian Clowney? I, I can't totally explain it, but he's the guy who comes up in the news cycle a lot. Yep. And we can barely lift our heads as, as the enthusiasts of the game. And I know the reporters out there, oh, clowny news. And I don't really know exactly why, other than he's on a new team. It feels like every 10 minutes, he usually doesn't live up to the potential. And including last year, it was the second season he's had with zero sacks, played in eight games, didn't have a sack. And now he's on this team where this giant monster of a man and number one overall pick is not even the most celebrated, famous, or talented guy in his own pass rush. So it's like it's it's Jadavian and Miles Garrett now, and it almost feels like Jadavian. This 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 might be the last stop. You know, th this this might be it. And what a great opportunity! Now he is the Bud Dupree. He's the second guy. Let Miles Garrett try to win Defensive Player of the Year. You go out and get seven or eight sacks. I don't think that's too much to ask. And you know what? I, I think it sets up to be a really good year for Jadavian Clowney. If he can stay healthy. I sure hope so. Yeah, if he can stay healthy, that's been a big bugaboo of his. I actually covered his last year that he was in Houston, um, and that was a year where he wound up playing inside a lot. And I think uh, I think he's sort of, you know, trying to find his way back into a role where he's super comfortable. And I think he wanted to be in Cleveland. He made that very clear. The Browns absolutely wanted him. We had we talked about this last year. We talked about this during the season, uh, the, the fact that, you know, Cloudy was out there, and, and, you know, obviously the Browns pulled the trigger on it. I do like the fact that there is a backup plan um, with Tack McKinley also being on the roster just in case it doesn't work out for Jadevian. But Kyle Brandt's right. It, it sets up for a very nice, you know, third act for, for Jadevian Clowney's career. You know, he came into Houston as a celebrated guy. We all remember the play against South Carolina or when he was at South Carolina against Michigan. You know, he made him sort of a superstar. He is an athletic freak and he's not doing 60 inch box jumps, but I guarantee you he's doing more than a lot of other guys are. Um, even with his, his surgically repaired knees, that guy's still a freaky athlete. I hope that playing opposite miles, having guys around him and having some creativity, you know, the ability to flop inside a little bit, he can stand up and rush if he needs to. All the, all the signs are there. All the, all the, the tools are there for him to rejuvenate his career. And, and as Kyle said, you know, seven sacks is fine. Eight sacks. What, what Olivier Vernon did last year, if he can simply replace Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett can stay on the field for all 17 games and not have to battle you know, COVID or, or suspension or anything like that, this, this pass rush is going to be nasty. And I'm looking forward to that very much. And I, I can tell you, 
Uh, his ability to play the run, I think, is something that, that doesn't get talked up enough. He didn't get a lot of sacks, but even in Tennessee and Seattle, they were very happy with him because he's so good against the run. He controls the edge. And if you're a zone running team, as the Browns are, if he can stop your, your running back from reading the proper gap in the zone, and he's, he's better at that than just about anybody, that really helps your linebackers out. It helps your safeties out because they, they know that they don't have to worry about covering two gaps at the same time. Uh, Genevieve is going to take care of it. And he's going to get his hands on a few of those ball carriers too. Yeah, without question. So the Browns um, front office uh, made an addition. Bob Quinn, former general manager of the Lions, uh, added as a consultant to Andrew Barry. Here's Andrew Barry explaining his thought process and bringing Bob Quinn on board. Bob is someone that I have had a lot of respect for throughout the past few years, um, really since his time as director of pro for the Patriots, and then obviously with his time in Detroit. Um, the former general manager's perspective is one that I very much value, right? We've, we've had, um, you know, Ryan here twice, and he's been an incredible resource for me. And, you know, with Bob, everything that he's done across football operations, everything that he's seen in the general manager's seat with Detroit, um, like, I, I just, I really value his expertise because the reality of it is, yes, I've been a year on the job, but there are still some things that are new situations or things that are going to be, um, you know, new for me in the next in the next few years. And to have someone and have multiple people now that um, can provide a little bit of a roadmap in that regard, uh, you know, proves to be incredibly valuable. And, and Jeff, I said this about Kevin Svansky. The more I hear Andrew Barry, the more I like what I hear. I think that's... For a young GM, that's an incredibly savvy way to look at this and an incredibly savvy move. He's very self-aware, and I, I, I have an appreciation for that. But he also is not making that move if he's insecure about his position within the, the organization. Um, he understands that he, he's not going to be you know, perfect, um, and, and having more experienced voices in his ear. I will tell you from a Detroit perspective, uh, Lions fans are laughing right now. But uh, I, I think some of that is, is it ended very poorly. He made a terrible decision with his head coach, and I think that weighs heavily on things. As a drafter and as an evaluator of talent, he was pretty good. He, he tended to prioritize the wrong positions, but I think his his scouting eye and his his free agency eye, especially, um, they can help. You know, and, and having the, the extra voices in the room, building a consensus like that. Ironically enough, that's what they're trying to do in Detroit now to replace Bob Quinn. Um, and uh, we'll see how that goes with them. But uh, I, I think Quinn, I, if he sublimates his ego enough and, and realizes that he's he's a smaller part of a bigger process, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I, I'm not worried about him trying to take over Andrew Perry's job or trying to usurp power or anything like that. That's, that's not the way that Bob Quinn rolls. Um, he, he's effectively taking on the role that, ironically enough, John Dorsey now plays in Detroit. That sort of they, they swap ex-GMs. In, in a consulting role, you know, a sounding board role. Um, I, I can tell you in Detroit, John Dorsey is very well received by both the, the players and the staff around him. And I, I have a feeling that that's going to happen with Bob Quinn too. Um, it, it's going to be tough for him to erase the stain of, of Detroit. It did not end well at all for him in Detroit. But uh, it, as with Clowney, he's getting a fresh start. This is a guy who does have some pretty significant accomplishments in his career, some feathers in his cap. He's got a chance to put some more in, in, a, in a new environment. So, uh, you know, while, while the, the, the Lions side of me, um, it, it, I'll admit, it was a little tough to see him get hired by the Browns. But at the same time, you know what? Um, if Ryan Grigson can, can do what he's done in Cleveland and, and, and after how he mishandled the end of his Colts career, um, I, I think it can work for Bob Quinn too. But uh, it, it's uh, the, the sounding board idea. I love the fact that Andrew Barry respects other people's opinions enough that, that he will he will listen to that and apply it into uh, into the, the 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 team dynamic and team building dynamic. Um, that that's that's not something that a lot of young GMs, um, as precocious as Andrew Barry is, would have the confidence in themselves and the confidence in the people above them to trust him to do that. Uh, that that says a lot to me about his standing in the organization and how much they they feel how how comfortable he feels and how respected he feels by the people above him. Because, again, that, that's not something that Bob Quinn would have done in Detroit, um, bringing in a, an ex-GM to help him you know, as a sounding board. He probably would have been a little bit paranoid about that, but that's clearly not the case with, with, with Andrew Barry. And that, that's one of the reasons why the Browns are, are a successful organization right now. Jeff Risden from BrownsWire.com. As always, Jeff, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much. My pleasure. Thanks so much.
All right, Jeff Risden, make sure you read him, brownswire.com. First upside to quick time out. On the other side of the break, we turn our attention to the Cavaliers. Chris Fedor joins us. We'll talk Evan Mobley and hear from him. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-Seek can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to trice-edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. Welcome back to Sports for CLE. Cavs did in fact take Evan Mobley with the third overall pick and introduced him to the Cleveland media earlier today. At three, um, we were elated um, to be able to draft a young man of, of his potential. Um, and I think his impact is going to be immediate. And, you know, we want to move this thing forward. Uh, we want to take a step forward next year. Um, you know, we need to supplement with some, some good vets as well. Um, but, you know, we, we, have, we have some high goals in mind for this, this young group that's super talented. And to be able to add Evan at three, we're tremendously fortunate. I try not to focus on all the pressure. Um, I just want to come here, uh, do the best I can, and uh, just get a lot of wins and uh, hopefully become Rookie of the Year or uh, get a lot of Rookie of the Month. Um, throughout this whole entire process. There's, there's weight, definitely, but um, I try not to focus on that too much. Let's bring in Chris Fedor, Cavs beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Chris, you were um, at the Cavs press conference when they announced Evan Mobley. Takeaways from the pick and how happy the Cavs are to have him. Yeah, Dave, you can tell that they're thrilled about this possibility and, and what it means for the Cavs moving forward. And I think at the end of the day, like the minute that they moved up to number three in the draft lottery, they knew that this rebuild had an opportunity to ascend and go in a different direction um, because this is the position in the draft that they hadn't been in in the previous three years to get this kind of player. Um, Kobe Altman called him a transformative talent. Um, I've heard him be referred to as a unicorn. Um, a lot of people are predicting all-star potential for this kid. So you can tell the excitement that's coming out of general manager Kobe Altman and head coach J.B. Bickerstaff. There's more hope, I think, attached to the franchise today. And that's no offense to Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen even. Some of the guys that are considered the young core of this team, some of the guys that the Cavs have drafted in the previous three years. But there are levels to this sort of thing. And before uh, last night, the Cavs didn't have the building block. They didn't have the centerpiece of this rebuild. Now they do. And it's with a guy who has the kind of unique versatility and skill set that fits in today's NBA um, in a great, great way. 
where the Cavs can do a variety of different things offensively and defensively that they couldn't before last night. The other thing is he's young and only going to get better. Nin- right. 19, I believe, is his age. So a 19-year-old seven-footer who has the ability to dribble pretty well, play defense. I mean, the, there's just a lot to like, and, and he's 19. Did we mention he's 19? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like there are guys – that are like him, um, but the guys that are most like him are Giannis, Chris Bosh, Kevin Durant, um, Anthony Davis. Like you don't like to make those kinds of comparisons and attach those to such a young kid, but those are the players that play like him, move like him. Dave, this is a seven footer who can do backflips like Simone Biles. (laughs) This is a seven footer who, you know, if he reaches his arms out, and I saw it in person today at Cleveland Clinic Courts, you feel like he takes up the entire paint because he's got a seven foot four wingspan. This is a guy who sometimes when he blocks shots, his head is getting close to the top of the backboard. It's just, there aren't got, seven footers are not supposed to be able to move like him and do the things that he can do. And on top of that, Dave, he passes the ball like a guard because he grew up playing guard. He had a late growth spurt, so he's got guard-like skills in terms of passing ability, in terms of handles. I talked to his high school coach who said, um, back in high school, they did these drills. They were ball-handling, speed, agility drills with cones. Evan Mobley, close to seven feet tall, outperformed every single guard on the roster in drills that are designed for guards to thrive. That's the kind of player that we're talking about here. There's a reason why people call him a unicorn. Chris Vidor, Cavs beat reporter for the Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. And I'm going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, the Cavs went out and got a veteran point guard via trade as well. We'll talk about him, rookie Ricky Rubio, and what might be next for the Cavs. That's straight ahead on Sports for CLE. Stay with us. Sports for CLE continues. We continue talking Cavs with Chris Fedor, Cavs beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. So, Chris, how excited were the Cavs to get Ricky Rubio, a veteran point guard, playing in the Olympics? I need to point that out. And how does he fit into this team? I think he fits great, first and foremost. If you think back to last year, part of the struggle that they had was they didn't have a backup point guard for the duration of the season. Matthew Della Vadova played 13 games because he was dealing with a severe concussion and then he had an appendectomy and then he had whiplash. So, you know, the primary ball handling responsibilities fell on the shoulders of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. They were playing Damian Dotson, a shooting guard at point guard at times because they just didn't have options at the end of the season. They were playing Isaac Okoro at point guard because they didn't have options. So this gives them Dave a veteran stabilizing pro in the backcourt. And that's something that they didn't have enough of. Part of the reason why the Cavs um, finished with just 22 wins, their veterans didn't step up and they didn't do their part. Kevin Love was injured. Larry Nance Jr. was injured. Like I said, Delhi was injured. You need veterans in the NBA to win games. And Rubio is the kind of guy who I think is going to give them a mature floor general Um, somebody that's going to take pressure off Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. And the Cavs were planning in free agency, Dave, to target 
TJ McConnell of the Indiana Pacers, Alex Caruso of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, because they have Rubio and they address that, that weakness in a trade, now they can focus their attention in free agency on the other weak points of the roster, mainly the wing spot and getting some more shooting here. Last thing I'll ask you before we go, who do you think uh, might be some of those guys that they look at in free agency or, or do they try to trade and get somebody? They could always try and trade and get somebody. You hear a lot of conversations about Larry Nance Jr. He's got a ton of interest from playoff contending teams. I'm not saying that the Cavs are going to do that, but look, if they get somebody that they feel like is valuable at another position of need and they could strengthen the roster in a different kind of way, then I think they would explore that. And, and chances are Larry Nance Jr.'s value is never going to be higher than it is right now. Uh, they need him, they need veterans, they need pros. Um, so I'm not saying that they're desperate to move on from him, but if the price is right, I could see them going that direction. I could see them going with Jetty Osman and maybe some of the future second round picks that they have and seeing what that gets them. In terms of free agency, they've, they've got the full mid-level exception to use. Now they could split that among multiple players, but if they use the full mid-level on just one guy, I would think somebody like Doug McDermott would make a lot of sense. He could fill it from the outside, and they don't have somebody like him on the roster, just a pure sniper. Um, so he makes a lot of sense for them. I've heard the name Otto Porter Jr. kicked around. Reggie Bullock is another name, another three-point shooter. Um, I think it's going to be a versatile wing that can shoot from the outside because the Cavs don't have that on the roster currently. Chris Fedor, Cavs beat reporter from The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, as always. Appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much, uh, Chris. Appreciate it, man. You got it, Dave. Anytime, man. All right, Chris Fedor, make sure you read him in The Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. So uh, the Indians were busy at the trade deadline. They traded Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval. That went to the Braves. Phil Maton goes to the Astros for Miles Straw. And Jordan Luplo and DJ Johnson go to the Rays for Peyton Battenfield. Those are the three trades at the trade deadline. Uh, Miles Straw, a good young outfielder. We'll see how he develops. Uh, also news uh, last night, Terry Francona will not manage uh, the rest of the season taking care of his health. Here is uh, Terry Francona explaining what's going on health-wise for him. Last year I was contemplating on getting my hip done, but I couldn't because of all the other things that were going on. You know, being in this boot has kind of exacerbated that. So I've, I've been in contact with the doctors at the clinic recently and let them put their heads together because I have a lot going on. And they concluded that they would, they're going to replace my left hip on Monday. And then five or six weeks after that, when I'm in good enough shape, then they'll put that permanent rod into my foot so I can start that healing process. So, you know, I have a, a decent amount of uh, work ahead of me, but it had gotten to the point where I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was doing my job appropriately. I got some work ahead of me. And, and you know, Chris and I have had some really honest conversations and, and I told him, and, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but, you know, if there comes a point where my health is just so much in the way that, you know, that, that I can't do this, I, I understand that. I mean, I mean, we've had some unbelievably honest conversations, and you can only do that with people that you trust and you care about. And, and I'll never find people that I care about more than, than here. Certainly hope that Terry Francona gets healthy and can be back uh, in charge of the Indians next season. Uh, Tribe will open up a series this weekend in Chicago. They start uh, today eight games behind the White Sox uh, in the American League Central. J.C. Mejia will take the mound for the Indians, facing Lance Lynn for the White Sox. And again, um, the Indians acquire outfielder Miles Straw from the Astros. For Phil Maton, also a couple of other deals, um, acquired a minor leaguer. And then Pablo Sandoval, who is not really expected uh, to be a big part of the Indians moving forward. Mac Robinson will be in Monday. Guests Doug LaMaurice and Kevin Arnold. Have a great weekend, everybody. Remember, join us 4 o'clock Monday for Sports for CLE.